Welcome to the YPO Leadership Development Network's Leader of Leaders podcast series, hosted by Dr. Terrence Kamal. We engage in open discussions with our YPO members who share their leadership journeys, experiences, and lessons. We discuss everything from leading startups and family businesses to international multi-million dollar entities. We engage in informed discussions that include the successes, failures, struggles, and trade-offs in their journey. Hi, this is Terence Komal, and I'm in the esteemed pleasure of sharing time with N.K. Tong out of YPO Malaysia, and I'm super honored to have his time. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Terence. I'm glad to be here. Great. I just want to jump head, head first into it and, and get on uh, so we can share with the rest of our members who are listening in, is tell me where all this started. Pre-YPO, where did your journey start as an as a individual and as a leader? Well, um, I guess... Uh, it, it's been it's been a um, great journey uh, since 1968. My my family business was started by my dad, and uh, that's also the year I was born. Um, he was always very into uh, keeping the family together. So he had uh, 13 in his uh, sibling generation. Uh, I have 42 in my cousin's generation. So the family business grew. Um, at, at one point when we uh, sold our previous business, uh, it was in 96, 97, just a year ahead of the Asian financial crisis, we were 46 shareholders. And then um, around 2000, uh, we decided to get the whole family back together. And this time we had uh, 54 shareholders, wow. including 85% um, of my uh, 42 cousins and about half of my uncles and aunties in that generation. So it's, it's been... Um, a great collaboration and uh, although I'm the only uh, family executive in the business um, so we we run um, uh, like a professional business so sometimes I get confused when I do my renewal for YPO whether I take a uh, uh, family business manager entrepreneur or a hired uh, professional <laughs> yeah yeah and um, we we are specializing in uh, high-rise residential development um, okay so we focus on uh, uh, Kuala Lumpur in the capital city. We, uh, our tagline is um, uh, uh, building for innovative lifestyles. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Are you, are you just very localized in Kuala Lumpur or do you operate in the region out, outside also? Um, no, very much, uh, very much localized in KL. I, I think um, it, it's already a big enough challenge uh, to try <laughs> and uh, navigate the challenges uh, within the, the local environment. Um, you know, one, uh, four, our four core values, quality, innovation, uh, caring, and integrity. Uh, the fourth being integrity is really important to us. And, um, you know, around the world, I think uh, everyone experiences it. You know, uh, real estate development can, can put you in very uh, difficult situations of uh, conflicts of interest, uh, especially when it comes to environments which are not as transparent and, and you know, KL being one of them. Um, so we do a lot to to make sure that we do business properly. Um, uh, you know, to be, to be frank and straightforward, this is YPO. Uh, yeah. we, we don't offer bribes to authorities, etc. And so I think um, with all humility, I think, you know, just doing business in KL is challenging enough, uh, let alone going further afield. Yeah, yeah. I think all, all developing countries or developing spaces, and it probably includes the developing world also, there's yeah. overt and less overt ways of uh, administrative hurdles, which some yeah. people believe are, are part of the way business is done. And you, you, you've yeah. got to make the call of where we draw the line. Yeah. 
Well, it, it's difficult. I mean, over the years, I, I've learned as I, as I helped my dad in his previous business. But, um, uh, you know, when, when we started again in 2000, I was uh, the only executive in the business. Um, so as, as the managing director, I made it very clear to the team, this is how we're going to do it. And, and I think I, I was blessed with a group that, that believed in the same thing and also support from the shareholders because when you take that very transparent approach, it can also sometimes mean a slightly, uh, you, you, get, you get some uh, delayed results. You know? But yeah. over the years, uh, I think we've built that reputation and that trust uh, to the extent that even um, uh, the government authorities understand where we come from and, and those that are sympathetic to to that cause uh, help us to expedite our approvals. Fantastic. T tell me about, about at which point did you, did you believe or even with hindsight that you realize what you're doing is going to be successful at some point or is it part of the family legacy? Ah, yeah, that's a good one. I, I think, uh, you know, I have to give credit to my father's reputation. Um, I always joke that, that, you know, he's very well known in the industry. So he's like the, uh, the, the Colonel Sanders uh, logo on KFC. <laughs> and my, my role was very simple, just to protect that reputation. But um, I think over the years, uh, you know, my peers and, and, and uh, uh, the community have started to recognize the role that we play in the organization uh, to make it really effective. And, and I, I think what really helped me um, in this round of the business is that we've always thought of uh, us as a team. So the, the team members are always like to push me to the front, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, conscious about giving credit to everyone. And, and I think that helped support the whole, uh, the whole mechanism. Okay, fantastic. Tell me what, what, was it a particular event or a series of events that led to you being, as you mentioned, the only family executive within the businesses? Uh, <laughs> Well, when we started again in 2000, I think um, the, the rest of the family uh, decided to take a back seat because we, we had uh, monetized uh, the previous business in uh, 96, 97. Uh, you know, when, when we restarted, we were very small. We were about seven of us. Um, but I also wanted to make this a very professionally run organization. So while family members were welcome, uh, the focus was on people who, who, uh, who were good at what they did. Um, and, and also a very collaborative approach. I think uh, oftentimes, uh, especially in Asian contexts, you know, uh, you'd expect the tone to be set from the top. Um, but what we've done over the years is to get, uh, I guess, we were into crowdsourcing before that word um, became uh, uh, fashionable. And, and always looking for the best ideas. Um, I was always willing to be challenged and to, to be wrong in, in the right context. Yeah. Sure. Tell me what, what were or are your, some of your biggest challenges that, that you anticipate in the industry or your leadership journey at this point? Um, I think at this point, uh, you know, it's the global economy. I, I'm, I'm very bearish on uh, the outlook. I, I see all over the world, um, you know, since the 2008 and nine uh, global crisis that there's just too much debt going around, um, too much money being printed. It's caused assets uh, to inflate. Um, so in Malaysia, as, as other places, uh, the notion of affordable housing is like an oxymoron and it's uh, even exacerbated because we tend to play in the, uh, the higher end uh, category. Um, so uh, the challenge is now having uh, incomes that can afford the properties that we do. Um, so I think in the next couple of years, uh, we, we're going to maybe take a more sideline approach and, and, uh, 
and be prepared for uh, a slowdown. At the same time, also be prepared to take advantage of that uh, coming out of it. Okay. Um, so in the, in terms of challenge, you know, uh, sitting still is kind of a challenge as well. Uh, <laughs> we we still have some properties that we are selling, but I think at some point it, it's best to be on the sideline. Sure. Okay. Fantastic. What what is your personal ambition in 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 this in this part of your journey? What what is your long term trajectory? And where do you see it going? Ah, that's interesting. Well, you know, we we've had a, a pretty good run, um, and and this round in, since two thousand, uh, we we have come up with some very innovative projects. And uh, two thousand fourteen, our Verse Suites uh, Monkara won the uh, best uh, Malaysian uh, res, uh, high rise residential. It then went on to um, be the uh, global best of the best, uh, uh, the PRC Pre de Excellence in 2015. Uh, again, a uh, high-rise residential project. Um, it was it was evaluated by by uh, 65 judges from 28 countries. So it, it feels like we've we've, we've reached uh, uh, every goal that we we would want to do. So I think I've been reflecting ever uh, turning 50 a year ago. You know, the first 25 years learning uh, learning mode um, and then the, the 25 years after that I've been in growing mode uh, both myself of course the business and I think for the next 25 years I want to be in the coaching uh, sort of uh, um, mindset to not not just my my children but you know the, the, the team members around me and the community um, to be able to give back all the leadership uh, learning and skills that I've, I've uh, taken over the years and and also still be involved in the business, but I think um, there are much younger, smarter people today who can take us uh, even further um, in the next round. Fantastic. So it's, it's, it's all about, if, if I understand it correctly, going full circle, to stimulate the next yeah. round to, to, to yeah. take over. Yeah. And, and I think uh, that, that idea of being, being a coach, a mentor, um, allows me to also scale some of the lessons that I've learned. Uh, you know, I, I, could, I could put my nose to the grind again, but uh, there's only so much one person can do. But if I can empower others to do that, I, I yeah. would be, I guess, more, um, more satisfied with those results. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. <clears throat> T- tell me one of the most significant challenges that you face in your business at, at any stage. What, what was something that's top of mind that ah, yes. you wake up? Um, 2000. Oh, 2007. Um, I mean, talk about crisis management of all crisis managements. Um, <clears throat> we had just uh, delivered uh, a condominium, uh, a six-acre project, 188 units, uh, very nice, very high-end. And uh, within months of delivery, there was a gas explosion in one of the units. And it, it literally uh, rocked the whole neighborhood. Um, oh, wow. I think it was about seven in the morning. And, you know, there was just glass all over the, the, the podium by the pool. And, and uh, it was very fortunate that, that there was only a one fatality. I think there was an accident in a unit um, and a maid had left the gas on and then had, had uh, set it off. Um, so the, the, I can still remember, you know, the, the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks that followed it um, was really challenging. Uh, it was one of those situations where I thought, okay, this is it. You know, the company's going to come down. Uh, yep. where, where, I mean, yeah, we, we, can, we can have all kinds of um, uh, crisis management plans, contingency plans, but nothing prepares you for this. And again, uh, the team really pulled through. Uh, everyone uh, was nominated. We, uh, we managed the media. 
Um, we made sure that the, everyone was safe. <coughs> um, contacted the local authorities, uh, put put uh, an emergency plan into place. And then I think uh, within a day or two, um, we realized that it was manageable, but we also realized the task ahead is huge. And and I remember, um, and, and I think what happened uh, and how we got out of it wasn't due to how just how we responded after that, but I think how we had managed relationship, uh, relationships over the years leading up to that. So our insurer, um, insurance agency, you know, we've always kept in touch with. We've always been very transparent with our with our feelings. And and the CEO came uh, to look at the site, and and the two of us walked around with the adjuster. And the adjuster was saying, "Oh, you know, some of these windows, uh, we we won't replace. We'll just touch up." And and the CEO said, "No, if if uh, our client wants it to be replaced, we replace the thing." And and just to tell you the extent of this explosion, uh, I think we replaced. Some, if not um, many, of the windows of hundred out of one hundred and eighty-eight departments. Wow! Because the, yeah, some of the explosion had, um, had damaged some glass, had um, um, bent some frames up shape, and and again, so <clears throat> I think this was testimony to our our core value of integrity that we are always willing to be trusted. So we gave an estimate of how much it would cost to fix. Insurance company just wrote a check. Uh, we fixed everything. We we got our quotes in. The contractors did the job. We had some money left over, and what we did was we wrote a check back to an insurance company. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> yeah. So I think that that again was you know it, that's just how how we roll, and and I think that that helped again build that relationship, and and I, I think it's the same with our bankers, with our uh, our customers, our suppliers, and and also our business associates. Sure, you you mentioned a lot uh, is 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 built on relationship and 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 maintaining that with strong integrity. And in my in my maybe maybe my limited view, it says strong cultural link out of Asia. And if I say that includes everything from the Middle East going the other way, I'm not saying it's not in the West, but Asia is more relationship focused than transactional focused. Is mm-hmm. has that been your experience or your perception of Asia? It builds relationships before transaction, or is it, or is it commonplace everywhere? That's a good question. I, I've never really asked myself that. Um, I, I think it has to be both, of course. Uh, we, you know, we have to have the, the right relationships, but also um, at, at the transaction level, be, be professional about it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure I can answer that, but, <laughs> but I think for, for us, um, for us we, we, perhaps we start and then we build the relationships around that too. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, one thing that we've been uh, very blessed um, in our previous company, which we sold in 96, 97, that was a public company. So uh, since then we've been private and we've chosen to remain private. But, um, you know, access to capital hasn't been an issue for us. Uh, the banks have always been uh, very open. And again, uh, I, I meet the bankers uh, the CEOs once every year, uh, just to keep them informed what's going on. Um, I, I called out maybe in 2013. Uh, I think this was before Ben Bernanke was just starting to taper his uh, his uh, the, the the Fed uh, program, and and you know I called out then that that the real estate environment would be really tough. And bankers said, "Oh, it's funny you say that because." Uh, you know, the other developers don't tell me that. I said, of course not. You, you're, you're our banker. We'll never say that. <laughs> um, but I was just willing to warn him that, you know, we, we, it, it, will be, it will be challenging. And it has been for, I think, the last two, three years. 
Yeah. Um, having said that, again, the banks have been there to support us along the way. Great. Tell me again now about the benefits of, of running a, a, a very strong family interlinked business as opposed to a different model. Are there, are there any unique nuances to positives and negatives of that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think with the family business, we can take a very long-term view. Um, you know, we started proper in 2000. Uh, the family probably didn't see any dividends for five or six years. Uh, they were re- willing to invest in the future. Um, and then even when, when uh, times are tough, they're, they're willing to make some sacrifices um, in terms of the, the expectations of the business. So that, that's been really helpful. Having said that, you know, being a family business, again, uh, uh, I also want to be transparent to them. So I, I, ha- I have a uh, twice a year um, meeting with all the family. Um, so pretty much like a, like a public company having a, a, an annual meeting, but I do that twice a year. And uh, because we have family shareholders in uh, as far as the UK and US and also in Australia, uh, those who can't make it, <clears throat> I will make sure that I, I send out a, a report with the uh, slides so that everyone is kept up to date. And I think having uh, that uncertainty removed helps uh, open up communications. So that's on the, the professional side. And then again, coming back to relationships, um, being Malaysian Chinese, we have lots of uh, occasions to meet uh, weddings, uh, births, uh, uh, once a year, Chinese New Year. You know, that's, yeah. that's like our Thanksgiving. So <laughs> yeah. plenty of opportunities to meet at a social level. So that really helps uh, both um, uh, the relationship as well as uh, business. Okay, fantastic. If there was anything you could go back and change, and if there was even just one thing, what would you do or play differently? Well, I guess more from a personal point of view, I think I would have uh, spent three to five years uh, outside um, working, working in a professional environment. Uh, I think that would have helped. Having said that, um, you know, joining YPO has been amazing because even though I've uh, pretty much grown up in a family business environment, I've learned a lot from uh, my foreign mates uh, who have been high professionals in multinationals and, uh, and, and learn a lot from them too. Yeah. If there's anything you want your kids to take from your journey so far and whatever you've done, what, what do you think is most important? Wow, that's, a, that's an interesting one. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm very open with my, my three girls and, and I encourage them to do what they want to do. But I guess if push comes to shove and they said, Dad, what should I do when I grow up? Uh, I would just say be a social entrepreneur, make the world a better place. I think uh, in a way we, we started doing a business that if I look at it uh, can also be categorized as, as a so- social enterprise in terms of the impact that we have on the lives of others. But I think moving forward, you know, with so much disruption going on with, um, with the whole uh, AI digitization, uh, sharing economy, you really don't know what's the next big gig next year. But I think if we are, uh, if they can go work, make the world a better place in their own sphere of expertise, I think they will, they will be able to take care of the world as well as take care of themselves very well. I think people will recognize that, that, that uh, effort. Fantastic. In terms of striking a work-life balance, are you able to do it in, in your current roles between family time? Um, <laughs> yes. Actually, uh, uh, work-life balance... Um, in the, in, in the early days, there was a lot more work, but um, you know, it was just uh, Catherine and myself. And then when, when the children came, that, that changed. I'd say I've been very fortunate, uh, again, through YPO, to be able to um, have that 
better understanding of work-life balance. And, and uh, through um, chapter family events, uh, I've become a better spouse and uh, father. Um, and I think it also has helped me in the business because, again, um, having a purpose, not just in the business, but also as, as a parent, uh, really has uh, encouraged me. I wanted to give a good role model. So it's spending time with them, but also when I'm not spending time with them to be productive in society and, and they can understand, you know, the contributions that I, I make. And I hope that they will um, take that on in, in their legacy as they build it. Fantastic. In terms of value, and I know you've, you've hinted at it a few times, but how has YPO added value to you in your life? Uh, we could be here all day. No, I'm, but, but you know, okay. I, I look at it. <laughs> I, I look at it. Like, okay, let's let's do the, the business family um, personal perspective. I think from a business point of view, um, it's been incredible. Aside from a forum, uh, which uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a forum junkie. I belong to three forums right now: um, local forum, regional forum, and an international forum. Uh, I've learned a lot from there. Uh, specifically, some of the tools. Uh, you know, the, um, the Rockefeller habits with Vern Harnish has been incredible. Uh, that's helped me build the business in an in exponential way while giving me plenty of free time uh, to, to spend uh, pursuing family and personal uh, interests. On the family side, um, you know, a lot of uh, couples and family events, um, uh, Heidi and Yumi Schleifer come to mind, uh, couples retreat that, that's really impacted uh, Catherine and myself. Yeah. Um, the parent-child events, the parent-child events uh, uh, have been amazing. So much so that I chaired a parent-child event with each of my three daughters, so that they could um, work with me on that and, and also um, make a big impact on, on um, other couples in, in the region. Um, and on the personal front, uh, Catherine and I have been have been chairing a um, seven-day uh, neurolinguistic programming certification for YPO. Uh, for the past 10 years, I think we've done six or seven now. And, mm. and it's been incredible learning both personally, personal development, but also every time we, we chair an event, we get to learn the whole thing again. So between us, we have, I'd say about 160, 170 days of NLP <laughs> learning, coaching and, and development. So that, uh, you know, sometimes <clears throat> um, uh, change is not easy. We're all resistant to change, but if we have to, but because I, I, I did this, um, just by pure osmosis, I, I think I've learned quite a lot. Uh, and to be able to um, understand myself personally, regulate my emotions, and also be a resource for others. Sure. Fantastic. Tell me about your leadership journey in YPO. I know just before we started the podcast, we briefly traversed some of that. Yeah. Um, okay. My, my leadership journey in YPO can be summed up like this. Uh, I have been ineffective at saying no. So <laughs> I, I joined in 2002. Um, at the end of 2003, I, I was going to our annual meeting and, and uh, we were expecting our third child um, that January in 2004. So I told my wife, okay, look, uh, yeah, they've got me as assistant learning officer. There's no way I'm going to be able to handle that. So I'm going to go and I'm going to take my name off. So I came home. I said, you know what? I'm not assistant learning officer. They made me learning officer. And, <laughs> and since then, I uh, haven't looked back, did the, the, the chapter ladder, um, went on to region uh, for learning and uh, uh, chapter chair, uh, sorry, regional chair. Again, I, I fought with uh, another uh, a friend of mine and, um, 
and uh, I won. Um, and actually, no, so I, I, I lost and I became the learning chair, uh, sorry, regional chair. Um, <clears throat> and, and at some point, you know, I, I turned down being on, on the international uh, learning committee. And, and then when the email came nominating me, I thought, whoa, this is interesting. And, and then I said, no, 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 I just didn't have that reaction. So went on to the learning committee, seminars committee. Uh, and then um, I think the first time I did say yes was the international board in uh, July 2013 for three years. Okay. Uh, served there, did, did the membership committee for two years. That, that has been an incredible journey because if you can imagine back then when we were 21 members, to have a board of 21 A-type people yeah. in a um, not-for-profit context was, was amazing. <laughs> Finished that in uh, June 2016, said that's it. It's all about um, renewal of leadership. I really want other people to take on other roles. Got a call um, from a dear friend towards the end of 2016, said, uh, we, we have you down to do The Edge in Singapore in March 2018. I said, no, look, it's, I told you, it's all about renewal. We need new leaders in, in our organization. And, and I've done everything. Yeah. And the, 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 the rebuttal was, uh, but you haven't done The Edge. <laughs> so I said, okay, okay, you got me there. Um, 15 month journey to organize The Edge, incredible uh, experience, um, Singapore, March 2018. Um, I, I, again, uh, uh, consistent with my style, I didn't want this to be about me. So we assembled a global steering committee of eight members uh, throughout the world. We began with the end in mind. So there were four women and four men in the, uh, in the committee, including a spouse, because we wanted uh, a very diverse uh, group of people and, and uh, interesting views as well. And from the, these eight of us, uh, we, we crowdsourced the world for some of the best speakers. And also because... I don't know anyone personally. I'm not that well connected. <laughs> yeah. So that's been the journey. And, and I think um, even in the years to come, I, I, I look forward to enjoying um, experiencing the Kool-Aid rather than having to uh, make it. But having said that, you know, every so often there, there's some uh, ideas or, or events that I'm passionate about. I will put my hand up the chair uh, with the, with the um, expectation that we can then raise future champions who will take those ideas on. Fantastic. I think the, the, the concept of, of getting in new ideas and renewal is fantastic because then it, it, it accelerates the pace at which the organization grows. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I say YPO is a, a self-learning, self-healing organization. Uh, you know, when, when um, by and large, most of us uh, are here to, to, to really improve the organization. Every so often when we get one or two disruptive individuals that don't get it, they, they don't stick around very long. And, uh, and the organization recovers. I think if we continue to have this open platform of uh, uh, idea exchange, um, we will continue to thrive. Yeah, absolutely true. Tell me in terms of your, your journey, if you were to give advice to somebody new in the leadership space, and this may tie into exactly what you said for the next 25 years, what would be your advice for someone starting out? Um, I guess it would be the same, you know, YPO leadership and also business leadership. Um, go out there and experience many, many different things. I think it's too, it's too um, narrow to say I want to be just a specialist in something. And, and especially, as I said, you know, um, the future is so uncertain. We don't really know where we're going. Um, and, and just experience as many new experiences as you can. Um, I'll give you an example. In, in, in 90, Eight uh, for two years, you know, 
it was uh, a flux between the uh, selling off one business and thinking about starting another. I took three months off and I, I helped my sister establish her, her restaurant. And I was a cashier, I was a waiter, you know, from being an executive director of a public company and next thing you know, I'm, I'm busting tables and, <laughs> and collecting cash. And it was a very humbling experience. But uh, one thing I learned is uh, never go in the F&B business unless you're really hungry for the money because <laughs> it's, it's hard work. But, yeah. you know, I, I joke about that. But, you know, today I, I have uh, retail and I have tenants and, and it helps me to, to look at them and see, well, is this guy hungry enough to run a restaurant? Is he going to burn out in six months? You know, having yeah. been there and done that. And it was just, just a two, three month experience. But without that, I wouldn't have been able to uh, assess it as well. Yeah. Okay, great. You, you mentioned about the evolution of YPO and the, the, you know, the current progressive theme is YPO 3.0 and business for impact. What initiatives are you involved in either personally or professionally that's in the impact space? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I'm keen for my daughters to be social entrepreneurs. Uh, I have been um, more cautious about moving into uh, impact investment on behalf of the company because I have other shareholders that I'm responsible for. But personally, um, Catherine and I take a, take a keen interest on that. Um, so, oh, and you know, we're not, we're not big investors, but over the years we've, we've held, uh, we've helped a, a water uh, purification telemedicine project um, in, in Gujarat, India. Uh, right now we are invested in um, a company that does, um, uh, organic egg farming with uh, hill tribes in uh, Chiang Rai called uh, Hill Tribe Organics. Uh, starting to to um, make a small profit right now, but I think the impact it has had on the people uh, up north uh, has been fantastic. And and um, the current iteration, I have a um, a nephew of mine who is um, bringing speech therapy in Cambodia. You know, to impact the one in twenty five kids that don't have the opportunity to go to school. Yeah, uh, it's a huge addressable market of 600,000. There are no speech therapists there. Um, so I'm helping him um, with a bit of funding, a bit of fundraising. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's reverse mentoring. You know, he's, he's 38. I'm learning a lot from him because, you know, you've heard about uh, giving fish to people, teaching them to fish. Um, and he's gone beyond that. He, he says, look, um, we're not going to be around forever to teach them how to fish. He wants to start a fishing industry. So he's lobbying government in Cambodia to uh, um, bring uh, speech therapy as a university program. He's getting uh, professors from around the world to, to help put their curriculum together. It's truly inspiring. And I think it'll be, um, you know, probably a decade or two before you see the fruits, but, but that's uh, very impactful. Yeah. Fantastic. In terms of the younger generation, there's a diverse set of views, and I've had some very interesting discussions with our YPOs of working and managing millennials. Yeah. Would you care to share your experience in that space? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if I had specific strategies. Maybe I hire younger people to manage millennials, but um, we have been fortunate to attract uh, millennials who who don't actually fit the mold that people think. You know, I think there are still people who, who want to do a hard day's work, who are focused on um, uh, values. And, and I guess actually some of the millennials are more uh, about purpose and less about um, uh, profit or not profit, but um, tangibles, right? 
so so that's fit quite well with us because uh, uh, we very focused on uh, uh, our core purpose um, of enriching lives through meaningful engagement uh, you know, through those four core values that I mentioned earlier quality yeah. innovation caring and uh, integrity and so as we continue to walk the walk and talk the talk I think that's automatically uh, engendered us to, to some of the younger generations. Um, and we do a lot of recognition. Uh, and, and sometimes the recognition isn't just you know, putting someone up on the pedestal. It's just going up to them and say, hey, how was your day? I, I remember you mentioned that um, you had some issues with your, your mother's health. How is she? And it's that type of uh, conversation that, that really um, motivates them as well. Fantastic. Uh, it's been fantastic chatting, NK. Is there any other parting words that you'd have for the rest of our peers and YPO from your leadership journey? Um, I guess I'll give YPO a plug, you know, just take advantage of all the opportunities that you have uh, within your chapter and especially out of your chapter. Um, leadership opportunities, I, I know especially the, the newer members are often intimidated. Um, they say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not as seasoned as those people. Look, just put your hand up. And, and I tell all the new members, put your hand up for leadership opportunities because this is an opportunity to lead leaders. And, and if you're ineffective, you won't be invited back next year. Um, in addition to that, you know, every event that's listed on our exchange website has been carefully curated by fellow champions uh, who, who are as concerned about their reputation to put on the best learning event. So really, you know, a couple of times a year, get out and experience YPO. And, and that will have a huge impact on our leadership journeys as, as it has on mine uh, from a business, pers uh, family and personal perspective. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to chatting in, in, in the near future. Thanks, Terence. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us. In the next show, we share more insights and discussions with members in the YPO Leadership Development Network's Leader of Leaders podcast series.